Welcome to Mary's Cup of Tea, the self-love podcast for women. I'm your host, Mary Jolkowski, an author, speaker, and all-around self-love advocate. And this is the podcast that will inspire you to love yourself. Hello, self-lover. Before we dive into today's podcast episode, I want to make sure you know about my two books on self-love. If you're struggling with body image or self-acceptance, then I highly recommend you check out my first book, The Gift of Self-Love. It's a comprehensive workbook to help you build confidence, recognize your worth, and learn to love who you are. Thousands of people have this book and the five-star reviews are so amazing. They give me so much life. So I hope that this is something that can help you too. You can get it wherever books are sold by searching for The Gift of Self-Love or go to my website, maryscupoftea.com slash book. After releasing The Gift of Self-Love and reading all your positive feedback, I realized that we really needed something to keep us going every single day. So not a deep dive workbook, but maybe like a micro dose of self-love in your daily life, which is why I wrote 100 Days of Self-Love. It's a guided journal with, you guessed it, 100 prompts that cover so many areas of life, including body, identity, purpose, emotions, mindset, relationships, and more. So you can really think of it as a metaphor multivitamin, something to keep you going, or as I like to say, growing on your self-love journey. You can get this journal wherever books are sold as well by searching for 100 Days of Self-Love or go to maryscupoftea.com slash journal. It's my mission to share all the self-love tea with you, so I hope that both my books and this podcast can do just that. I had every intention of talking to Brittany Lancaster about dealing with body changes in eating disorder recovery. But then when we sat down and hit record, we started talking about online dating and what it was like dating, not just in recovery, but also as somebody with a large social media following, which is something we both chimed in on and could relate on. And then we proceeded to talk about just that life as a content creator, as an influencer, being in the public eye, being in our early to mid-20s and still figuring out life, work, and the possibilities for the future. I felt a little guilty when I got off this recording because I'm like, oh, I wanted this to be very valuable for fellow eating disorder recovery warriors. But then I felt like talking to Brittany was just so easy and natural and I did get a little bit selfish. I just wanted to keep talking to her about the things that have been present on my heart and mind lately. So with that being said, this conversation is really deep and interesting because of who Brittany is as a person, like just so kind and humble and down to earth and grounded. She is just the realest person I've ever met, especially as somebody with like almost a million followers. I I just didn't even expect, I mean, I did expect because her videos are just as authentic and heartfelt as she is in real life, but even more so in this podcast episode, we really sat down and talked as like two friends or even colleagues, like two people who are just working in the same industry and trying to figure out our paths in life. So even though this conversation might not be relatable to everyone and it's not like three tips for better body image. Hopefully you'll get something from it just by hearing and feeling how down-to-earth and thoughtful Brittany Lancaster is. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of the Mary's Cup of Tea podcast. Today I am here with Brittany Lancaster, who you probably follow on Instagram and TikTok. If you don't, you must. She originally got famous for documenting her recovery journey and her really sweet and special what I eat in a day that won't make you feel like shit videos. Brittany, (laughs) thank you so much for being here. By the way, those videos give me so much life. Oh my goodness. Well, thank you so much for having me. And I'm so happy you enjoy those. I am so excited to be here and I love your podcast. So it's always great to be able to come and talk about such special topics. And I love that you really focus on self-love. I feel like that's like so important, you know, so really excited to Also, I have to admit, I listened to your episode with you and your husband, and it was so adorable. Love it. 
Oh my gosh. Wait, did you really listen to that? That means so much. Thank you. Oh, I listened to the whole thing. And also I love how you guys talked about like real topics. Like I'm in a relationship and like, obviously I'm not married, but it's like, you brought up a lot of really great points where I'm like, wow, people really need to like think all this through. It's, it's so true. So. Yeah. There's a lot there that can often get lost in love. And I often take on like the kind of, I guess, emotional labor of like thinking about this stuff and researching it and then bringing it to my now husband and being like, wait, we need to talk about this. And he's like, I'm just here for the vibes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think the problem with Drew and I is we're both the here for the vibes personality. So like, there's not either of us to be like, wait, let's think about this. You know, how did you meet? Didn't I read that you also met on Hinge? Yeah, we did meet on Hinge crazy enough. And it was just like the wildest, sweetest, best journey. We went on four dates in eight days and it was happened like super fast, but also like, so it was perfect. We are definitely meant to find each other. So yeah. What made you start your Hinge profile? And like, were you online dating before? Was this an accident? Like, what was your thought process behind it? Yeah. So kind of crazy enough, I was on and off dating apps for like four years and it would kind of be one of those things where I would download the dating apps and I'd be on them and I'd go on a date and it would go like, okay. And I would get kind of like discouraged and then I delete all of them, you know? And then two months later when I'm out with my friends, I'm like, Oh, let's re-download the apps. And I think when it finally worked for me was when I just saw it as like another avenue of dating rather than like this end all be all like you will meet a person on here type thing. And I feel like that's when it really worked for me because I just went in with, with just the mindset of like, you're just sitting down and meeting a new human and like, that's all really a date is. So. Yeah. Yeah. And exactly like social media is the avenue of like, hopefully meeting up in person and not being like pen pals, you know? So it's, kind of the same vibe as like meeting somebody in a bar, just like a little bit more targeted. Totally. Yeah. And you and your husband met on an app as well, right? Hinge. Yeah. Hinge. Oh my gosh. I love that. Amazing. Can they sponsor this episode? I've been trying to reach out to them nonstop, but they don't answer. (laughs) They should have sponsored your wedding. That would have been amazing. (laughs) They need to sponsor your entire TikTok because I feel like, I don't know if you feel this way, but I was on, I was on Bumble. I was only on Tinder like very briefly and then I got scared the shit out of never met anybody on it and deleted my account but I I think Bumble is the one I was a little bit more familiar with and something about the energy on Hinge just felt different did you feel that way yeah I totally did I always went into dating apps it was always tricky for me because of course like I have a certain level of like physical attraction towards somebody but like a really big part for me is like who somebody is as a person and that's so hard to tell on like you know on like Tinder or even like Bumble is a little bit harder I feel like than Hinge like Hinge really gives a lot of great tools to use to really like express your personality and so I feel like that's why it worked best for me honestly Yeah, between like the prompts and the voice notes and the videos that they allow, like, I feel like you get a better vibe of somebody before you even meet up. So can I ask you more questions about that? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, what was dating like in, I don't know if you consider yourself like in recovery or recovered, but regardless of if you were in the process or a bit after it, What was dating like for you? Because I know for a lot of people who are single, like that's a big concern. I think even people in our age group, like you always kind of expect like fitness to be on a lot of people's and and you'll see that when you're swiping, right? Like you'll be like fit and motivated and swipe right if you like fitness too. I don't know if you heard that kind of stuff, but I did here in, in Scottsdale and Arizona. So I'm wondering if you had a similar experience and what dating was like for you. Yeah, I definitely did. There was so many different prompts, like how you were saying of things that people were looking for. And I think to be completely transparent at the beginning of recovery, it was a lot harder. You know, I think I was a lot more self-conscious of myself. And I think 
I was very focused on like what my physical body looked like. And then as I grew more into recovery and like more years passed and I felt like stronger in knowing my worth and not just accepting my body, but really like taking pride in it and really like loving living in my body, I had a lot more confidence behind what I brought to the table. And so I think that's when it really started to switch of when I was having better dates because I was still the same person. I just knew my worth and was going into the dates with a lot more confidence and even going into the messages, like with a lot more confidence. Like if somebody was not giving me the time of day or like was being kind of weird, like I was like, all right, next. Like, you know, I think once you really know your confidence and your worth, it makes it a lot easier to say no so that you can say yes to the better things out there for you. So. Yeah. Were you open with Drew about your past struggles with food and body image, like from the get-go or how did you transition into letting him in on that? Yeah, it's so interesting. And I would love to hear like how you and your husband's journey went because when I met Drew, I already had my platforms and that was also another challenge to overcome once I had these platforms of like, oh, I can't just give somebody my Instagram handle because then they're going to know my entire story or maybe get like a really good idea of what I've been through and we've never even met, you know? And so it kind of takes away that power of choosing when you want to tell your story to somebody when you go public or when they have your public handle. And so when I was dating, I would keep that like pretty secret. Like I remember when Drew first asked for my phone number and his full name is actually Andrew. And he was like, Oh, you know, my name's like Andrew uh, or no, he said like, my name's Drew Segrin. And I was like, Oh, haha. Like my full name's Brittany, but I go by Brit. Like I didn't give him my last name because I didn't want him to find me on social media until I felt like I had the ability to tell him my story when I wanted to, or if I ever wanted to, because I didn't know how the first date was going to go. And Drew is like such an amazing human and, and so vulnerable. And he actually deals with a little bit of social anxiety. And on our, I think either on our first or second date, he told me about his anxiety, even before I opened up about my past. And when he told me about that and he was so honest and upfront about it. And he was like, you know, sorry if I seem a little nervous, like dating is what really brought on his social anxiety, like more than anything. So when he was like, so honest about everything, I just really valued that so much. And then that gave me confidence to open up to him. So I told him about my recovery on our third date. I think him opening up on the second date about his anxiety was like a great middle ground for both of us to chat more about that stuff. But did you already have like your platform and everything when you and your husband met? Yeah, for a pretty long time. Also, what a sweet grape Drew is. I'm so happy that you had that experience and getting to know him. But yeah, I had a very similar like, I would give people like my fake, not my fake, my like private account which I had back then, but also like even my public account, it's like connected to your name and your phone number. And so Stan pretty quickly found it. And I remember the freak out moment that I had, it was like a good and, you know, scary freak out moment was after like maybe third date, I get a notification in my email that somebody bought my ebook. And at the time that ebook, which is now like my physical book, The Gift of Self-Love. But at the time, there was a lot of people who were buying it. So I, I don't like open every single notification. But for some reason, I decided to open this one. So I wouldn't even have known that it was him who bought my ebook if I wouldn't have like clicked on that notification. And again, like never click on all those emails. But I did. And then I saw his name and I texted him I'm like, babe, you bought my book. Like what? Why? And he was like, I just wanted to support you and, and see what you're all about. And I had this moment where I was like, oh my God, like now he's going to know everything. Like, I don't know if he's going to, first of all, he's going to agree. Cause a lot of what we talk about isn't vulnerable personally, but it's also like contrary to how a lot of people think. Right. Yeah. So I had this moment and he 
just, I don't know, it was like almost a non-issue. Like after that, like it just kind of went away. Like he never, he never brought it up. He never asked questions. And that's one thing about us. And actually one thing that always (laughs) makes people feel really weird when I tell them, but I actually have him blocked on my social media. Like still, I'll go through phases. Like I'll block and unblock depending on, on what I'm sharing. And people are like, why would you have him blocked on your social media? Well, because similar to you, like I want to choose when I tell him this detail or I want to choose when he sees, I don't want him to be like scrolling mid work day and then see that I posted something about my past and then get like off guard about it and ask me about it later. Like I always show him my stories every day at the end of the night. I always show him everything I post. Oh, that's so cute. (laughs) Thank you. I like read it to him. I'll like make him watch it on my phone. Like, but I get to do that during like our lunch hour or like in the evenings and not just like randomly him and the way he sees it. He's like, well, you don't go through my emails. And for you, social media is like a very vulnerable. I think now like that we're married and we've gotten to know each other a lot. Like it's not as much so, but in the beginning, the first like two, three years, 100% I had him blocked all the time just so I could choose when to reveal certain information. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I feel like that's just a form of setting a boundary, you know, and it made me think of kind of funny. I know this is Mary's cup of tea, but I can spill some tea. Actually, I've never told this online, but funny enough, (laughs) you know, I told Drew about my eating disorder recovery on our third date. And that is also when I told him like, and I share this online and I'm a creator. Like I, I gave him the whole spiel on the third date and about a month and a half or two months later, we were out with all of his friends and one of his friends was like, oh yeah, like it was crazy when we found out like you were a creator, like after you guys went out the first time. And I was like, I was like, Drew, no, I told him on the third date, how would he know on the first date? (laughs) And basically because I go by Brit on so many like things. Obviously my handle is Brittany Lancaster, but like even in my Instagram bio, you know how you can like choose your name. It says Brit and like same thing on TikTok. And so anyways, like there was some mutual followings. And so he just typed in Brit and initially found me and he was out with his buddies when he did. And he like threw his phone. He's like, I'm not looking at it. Like, I don't want to know. I want her to tell me, you know, cause once he saw like, Oh, whoa. Okay. She, yeah. There's more to this than just like following somebody and finding somebody on Instagram. So he never looked at it. Obviously he like saw my profile, but then like, he never like scrolled through everything, but all his friends did. They were like, well, we will, <laughs> we'll go through it. And so, yeah. Wow. And so that was kind of the funny story, but he said that he did that because he still wanted, even though he knew in the back of his head, like that there was a like a platform behind it. He wanted to like hear the actual story from me first. And I really respected that. But then I was also like, why don't you tell me? So, and he said, he's like, I just didn't want to like ruin the moment you were being so vulnerable and like opening up about it. And I didn't want to be like, actually, I found you like after our first date, you know, <laughs> like. Either way, I already knew. Well, that's so considerate of him. I guess I knew everything about my husband by our first date because I, Google reverse image searched him. Amazing. And (laughs) listen to all. So I wish I had that same level of integrity that Drew has, but I just don't. Yeah. Well, (laughs) the funniest thing when I was online dating, my stepmom, she's like such an incredible human. And she's like one of my best friends. She really missed her calling not working for the FBI because she does an incredible research job. And anybody that I went on a date with, like I knew their mother's maiden name before, (laughs) like we went on a date, I would know like where they were born, if they've ever been arrested. Like she really missed her calling, like working for something like that. And so I never did that type of research, but my stepmom would always send me that stuff before dates. So I guess if anyone's listening. Did she do that research on Yes, she did. I actually, funny enough, Drew is a twin. And I knew that he was a twin before we went on a date. And so I had to like really be cautious. And also 
my biological mother and his mother have the same name. Like there were so many things that were like so many fun facts I knew about him that I had to be so careful to like not slip it out on the date and be like, oh, how's your sister Kelsey doing? You guys are twins, right? Like all these things that I already knew about him. So Yeah, yeah. No, those are a lot of fun facts. But I feel like also like it is a little bit different, like dating as a young single woman. Like I don't just write it off as like, we want all this information, but it is like a safety thing too. Oh, a hundred percent. And I think that's why my stepmom, Deb, did it. Like that was the main purpose of it was to make sure that it was like a decent human I was going out with and like going to see in person type thing. So you're, you're on the money with that one though. It's totally like something that we just have to consider, especially when we're online dating. So yeah, the fun facts are a bonus. Stan's profile picture on Hinge was like him on stage. Mm. So obviously that's like really intriguing. And yeah. I'm like, why is he speaking on stage? Like what's going on? And turns out it was like a startup pitch event. And I'm like, oh, you have this company. Well, I already looked it up and like downloaded your app. And <laughs> I love that. I think he was, you know, very open and receptive to it. But I think where I was saying like it became a non-issue is that he and I think a lot of guys in general are like this, but he's not like sitting there trying to piece together the puzzle of my life. Like I know me and my friends would probably be doing that if the roles were flipped and I don't know what that's about, but I feel like he was just really trusting and I don't know, even till this day, like he doesn't ask me that many questions about like what I'm doing or why, because he knows like I will tell him and that like, the type of work that I do is different. And sometimes I actually get frustrated by the question of like, what did you do? Because I can't succinctly explain it. And at the beginning of our relationship, I don't know if you felt this way with Drew, but the way we work is kind of different. You know, certain things I have to do, creating content or like laying on the couch, answering comments and DMs, that doesn't necessarily look productive. So I often felt like a little ashamed of that because my work is different. And same with like talking to friends and family and like them kind of knowing, but not really understanding. Like that was definitely something for me to overcome mentally, though he's never, ever made me feel less than for that. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I think it's definitely, you know, it's like, it's just a different sector that you can work in. And I feel like something that Drew has learned a lot about was just like the time and energy that goes into creating content. Like it's very interesting sometimes since I do have like a day job, a lot of my editing is done like after 5 p.m. And so thank goodness Drew loves sports. And so if there's like a sporting game on, he'll turn on sports while I'm editing a TikTok. And sometimes I'm editing for two hours, you know, and I'm sure you know that with like any TikTok or Instagram stories or it's amazing. Like even when you do like ask me anything, Instagram stories, those seem so simple and they take hours to like really give thoughtful responses on. So I think what Drew had to kind of learn for just kind of what we do of more of the creator space is like, there's been times where I haven't been able to go out like for a social event because I needed to submit a content deadline by a certain time, or like we couldn't do something after work because I needed to like answer social media emails or whatever it may be. I will say the one good thing is I think nowadays, like there's just so many different ways to make a living that I think people are getting more understanding of that. Do you feel like now Stan kind of knows exactly what you do for work and like understands if you're on your phone, like that is like your, your work? <laughs> yeah. Even from day one, he's always taken me very, very seriously. I think it was more in my head. And also we have an age gap. So like, I know people our age are like, that's, you know, so cool. And like you, you do you, there are so many ways to make money and yeah, a lot of that was just for me to overcome. And he's always just really respectful. And he's like, do what you have to do. And, you know, sometimes it's like opening PR packages, right? And you're like, wait, I need to, I want to film this. I want to tag this. And a lot of that work can be very interruptive. So I'm wondering, like, how do you handle that with your relationship? I know you mentioned he watches sports, you edit your TikToks, but like, how do you do that in real time content? when he's around or not just him, maybe like your friends, family. Yeah. Yeah. 
For me, what, what I noticed was best in our relationship was when I first started, you know, once Drew knew about my social media and everything, that was a conversation we had of if he even wanted to be included in the social media, because Drew is the type of guy, like, I think he last posted on Instagram, maybe two years ago. Like he is totally the dude who like posts a picture once every three years and is like, live in life. Like that's his caption or something. I'm alive. (laughs) Yeah. So that was, I think a really important conversation for us to have of not only like how comfortable are you being on social media a lot, because I, as creators, we post almost every day, if not every day. And then also like, I wanted to be transparent about like, there's a lot of really great things on social media, but like we could get backlash on our relationship or you just never know the comments that you're going to get. And so I just wanted to make sure he was like fully ready for that. If that is something that he was open to. And I wanted to be respectful if that wasn't something that he wanted, if he wanted our relationship to be more just, you know, in real life. (laughs) But basically his response was, he was like, I'm so happy to be with you. Like I would love to be on your social media. Like if that's what you want. And I think even with my friends and things like that, all of my friends know that what I post is like a lot of food, you know, and a lot of what I eat in a day and things like that. And so I think at first it took a little bit of a transition of like, oh, wow, Britt like pulls out her phone a lot and she like records a lot of stuff. But now it's kind of like second nature to them. It's like, oh, Britt's filming, you know? And obviously I try to be, I think, I'm sure you can probably relate to this, but I feel like I have a gauge of when it's like, eh, I should, probably shouldn't pull out my phone. Like this doesn't need to be photographed. This is more like a moment I want to like really remember and just take in by myself or with me and my friends or with me and my family. And then there's other moments where it's like, oh, I really want to like capture this not only for content, but also just to have it as a special memory. So how do you feel like you deal with that like around your family and your friends and things like that? On that note, I'm going to take a dramatic sip of tea. (sighs) Big heart tea, that is. My favorite certified organic tea wrapped in sustainable packaging made from plants, not plastics, and produced with the utmost regard for the farmers who grow it. If you've been here for a while, you know that tea has been a big part of my self-love journey. I just find it so warm and soothing and grounding. It doesn't matter what day I'm having, a cup of tea always makes it better. And I love Big Heart Tea because their company is female-founded and mission-driven. Their farmer's collection is a growing line of intentionally sourced direct trade teas, which you can really taste with every sip. I'm currently drinking their signature cup of sunshine because spring is here. It's an herbal blend, which is great for the afternoons when you don't want caffeine or maybe you can't have caffeine because it will give you anxiety and a borderline heart attack if you're anything like me. So stock up on your own tea by going to bigheartea.com and use code MARY20 for a discount at checkout. Again, that's bigheartea.com and use code MARY20. Now back to the show. As of recently, I've become like really protective. Like I almost never have my phone around, out around friends and family. And I think that definitely interferes with my influencer career, for lack of better words. Like I've definitely traded like attention and I suppose like the money that comes in from it for some more peace and time off my phone and presence with my family. I haven't yet found a way to do both well. And you mentioned offline, you're like, I love your relationship with your sister. Well, one of the things I had to come to terms with is that when she was younger and I would post her on my social media, she did express to me like there were times that, you know, she wishes that it was just me and her. And as soon as I heard that, of course, I flipped out and had a really long crying session and still do if I think about it too long. But I just changed. And now it's a little bit more like I literally ask for, first of all, consent for every single photo, every single piece of information, even if it's, you know, something I know she would be okay with, I still ask. Or sometimes I'll send like options. I'll be like, are you okay with me posting any of these? And she'll be like, 
maybe the first one or the second one, or she'll just say no. And it was to a point, like I stopped posting her some point like last year, kind of like after quarantine, because she started high school and she was a little bit more protective over internet privacy as a lot of teens are like, you'd be surprised. A lot of teens are on the internet, but a lot of teens are also like really feeling the mental effects of it and, and don't like it. And my sister's kind of in the middle, like she teeters, like we all do. So with that, I used to get a lot of messages where people would be like, where's your sister? Are you in a fight? Is she okay? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, a little bit invasive, like kind of expecting. And I always have to politely say like, no, actually our relationship is like better than ever. I, I hate that people like assume that I'm just very protective of her and, and how she's showing up on the internet. So yeah, it's really hard sometimes with, well, Stan's like very understanding as I'm sure Drew is, but even like you said, like sometimes you pull out your phone because you want to capture the memory. And I often catch myself questioning, like, am I really trying to capture the memory or am I trying to get some content out of this too? And sometimes that can make me feel a little bit icky. So yeah, I don't know how to deal with it yet, but I think you do a very beautiful job. Oh, thank you. Well, I think, you know, it's so respectful and intentional to have those type of conversations with your sister, because I can imagine too, like if you're going into high school, like, you know, I'm sure there's people at her high school that like know of your account and things like that. So it's just different levels like that. I mean, I know you're probably not posting embarrassing things of her, but you know what I'm saying? Like kids at that age, they just take like anything and run with it, I feel like. And I even remember like how self-conscious I was when I was in high school and things like that. And so it's not the same, but it's kind of similar to when when people have children and they decide like whether they want to post their babies on social media or not. You know, it's like the debate of like, well, you're posting without their consent because they can't talk and they don't understand it yet. Obviously, your sister can talk and understands yeah, all of that, yeah. but she's communicating that like, hey, maybe I want to like just run things past me first. But I definitely think even something that I struggled with when I first started dating Drew was like, I was just having so much fun in the moment that I was forgetting to capture a lot of things. And I was talking to another friend of mine who's a creator. And I was like, I just feel like I'm just this sappy girl in love. And I'm not like, I'm just not thinking to capture any of this content. And my friend was like, just be a sappy girl in love. Like, this is your time to do that. Like, be in love, have a great time when you feel like you want to make content, make content, but like, don't let content revolve like what you do in life. And I think that's something that's hard to find a balance with, especially like since I work full time, really after before work and after work are like my key times to film. I really don't post stories or film during my work day because I'm, I'm working unless it's during my lunch hour or things like that. And so It's been a balance for me to learn how to learn that it's okay to not post every day. And like, if I don't post a TikTok for a week, like everyone will survive and everyone will understand and they'll probably be happy that I'm taking time for myself. I think almost before I got into a relationship, I was almost like borderline workaholic. Like I was just so focused on, okay, if I'm not doing anything right now, then I'm not being productive and I need to like do something productive. And that was something that I struggled with for a while because I would burn myself out really easily doing that. And I think being in a relationship has actually taught me to like take a step back and figure out what's important to me and then like prioritize those things. So yeah, yeah. Because you're essentially working two full-time jobs, albeit one's a little bit more flexible maybe, but still that's that's a lot. That's two full-time jobs and a relationship. I mean, I exactly like you. When I was single, I was borderline workaholic, if not workaholic, and probably a bit more like successful on paper than now when I spend my evenings, you know, taking walks and like watching movies with my husband. Totally. And I also think like your followers, probably like that's a part of life that I love seeing on creators is like seeing just their real life. Or there was even a creator that I follow that when she had her first child, like she was really off of social media for like three months, like here and there she would pop in, but she was really off for three months. And it was like, she just needed time to like be a human. And like, she was becoming a mom and like, she had a lot going on in her like everyday life. And I respected that so much that she was like, 
a decent sized follower. And she was like, nope, I need to be offline during this. So I respect that a lot for sure. Yeah, yeah, me too. And I have very strong opinions about probably not showing my future child's face on the internet until they're old enough to not only verbally consent, but also understand the consequences of what they're consenting to and the permanence of it. But I'm wondering if just for, I just really want to know, but like, why, why do you still have your day job? I'm just going to go for it. (laughs) It's funny that you say that because I think a lot of people ask me that more than you would think. And I think the main reason I think that I still have my day job is because I love the company that I work for, like to be completely honest, and I love the mission behind it. I'm very type A. And I think like part of me truly, like if I'm being fully honest, ask myself, well, like, I don't know how long social media will last. So I like to have like a backup career almost. Like I feel like that it's almost a safety net thing of, of mine. And on top of the fact that like, I love having this schedule and like something that I know that I'm going to do every week. And I just think, I don't know if I'm built to be like a freelancer, like just fly off. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know if I'm built for like a full content creator because that was even something like, I remember when I first started on TikTok, a lot of people were like, when are you moving to LA? Like, when are you moving to LA? Cause obviously that's a big city, either that or New York that I feel like a lot of creators move to. And I just felt in my soul, I was like, I don't think that's the place for me. Like, I don't think I would thrive in LA. Like, I think I would compare myself a lot to other creators. I think I'd be in my head a lot. I think I would be like, okay, well, what am I going to do tomorrow? You know? So I think part of having my full-time job, to be fully honest, is just to help keep me like sane. Like, I feel like it really does help keep me sane. And I, and I like having that more traditional professional experience as well. And like the main reason is I just really love the company. And I also think, and maybe this is just something I need to think more about, but I thought about, you know, like, okay, if I ever did step away from my full-time job, maybe when I started the family or something like that, like what else would I want to do with my creator like ship? Because with you, like you have this amazing podcast and like you have like all these retreats that you do and like books and like there's so much more to your like TikTok and Instagram than just like these platforms, you know, like you've really built that into like this beautiful tree with all these different branches. And I just don't really know what my branches are yet, if that makes sense. And I think that's something I'm trying to figure out because I've become a lot more passionate about movement in the past like year and a half of my life. It's just been kind of a safe thing for me to start to enter in this like chapter of recovery for me. And it's something that I'm so passionate about. But I often ask myself, like, how could I make that a branch? Because it's such a touchy subject for people in recovery. And that's really like a lot of my community is people who are in eating disorder recovery or have body image issues or are, you know, just struggling with like self-love or self-confidence, things like that. So it's like a, it's a tricky line to walk of like, how do I incorporate this love of movement, but not trigger my community? So that must be really difficult. I kind of, I got a sense because I hate how TikTok ranks like some bad comments up top, but I got a sense. I think I opened something or maybe you address like a comment, you know, people pointing out your changing body or like questioning why you're running or like, and I've gotten my fair share of that too. I just want to backtrack and, and first of all, let you know that when I told my husband that I was, have a podcast interview, he said, Oh, with who? And I said, Oh, this girl, Brittany, like she has almost a million followers on TikTok and she still has like a full time job. And he goes, Wow, that sounds like exactly what you've been talking about. And I'm like, Yeah, because she's the one, like I've been watching you for almost two years. And that's like the number one thing that I think about when I think of you. Maybe because I'm like past recovery. So I don't really follow you for that. I really do follow you for your lifestyle of like being a creator and you know, still very, very grounded. And similar to you, like I'm not super into that like LA influencer pipeline. I know it's not, it wouldn't be good for me. And I, I don't want that. And I'm currently trying to figure out how to almost get myself out of this. And thank you for saying that about my branches. Unfortunately, my branches don't 
pay me enough to feed myself. So that's the part that's a little bit more difficult. So I'm in a very much same place, even though on the outside, it might look like I have other things going for me. It often doesn't feel like it because those other things aren't like lucrative. Like I feel like I I still need another branch and that I hope is at some point a job similar to yours. So anyway, all that to say, like, that must be really, really hard, though, with your love for movement and your audience being in recovery. Do you ever feel like you're almost like holding yourself back because you're scared to trigger somebody? Oh, absolutely. Like, so, so much. I used to never really feel worried about if my content would trigger somebody. And then once I grew into a smaller body now, like every post I'm like, Drew, can you like, look at this? And like, is there anything, obviously he's never even dealt with an eating disorder or something, but I'm like, is there anything just as like a first glance that you feel like somebody could take the wrong way? Or did I say something that somebody could twist my words? You know, it's just, it's so hard. And really Mary, what it comes down to, I am the most people pleaser person you will ever meet in your entire life. Like I hate disappointing people. It honestly fills my soul and I don't like that it does that. But if I'm being completely honest, it does. Another thing of my personality is like, I don't like it when people don't like me. If I'm being fully honest, like it really, it really bothers me. I'm like, what did I do that they don't like me or they find me annoying? Or for the longest time on TikTok, people thought my voice was annoying. And I'm like, what's wrong about my voice? Like, you know, I think about it a lot now. So it's something I'm trying to continuously work through. I think people pleaser has gotten a really negative connotation lately. I also think like the thing that drives you crazy about yourself is also like your biggest gift. Like the fact that you're able to resonate with so many people and you're conscientious with the message that you put out there and just like really caring for like the humans behind the screens and not just like posting for clout. So I hope you know that too. But I think for me, it's not, it's not even as much as like, oh, why don't they like me? But I get this like, unsettling anxiety of like if somebody's like I disagree with you you're wrong whatever like if I can understand it then I like can make peace with it but when you're saying like it's something like you can't just comprehend like if it's like for no reason I don't know that's where I get like just like flat out anxious I don't like the feeling of other people misunderstanding me I'm sure it's related to like a very similar thing Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense a lot. How do you feel like you deal with like on social media and stuff, like when you do get different comments that have like different points of view than what you thought, or you don't really understand like where they're coming from or like why they thought it was, you know, triggering or whatever it may be. Like, how do you feel like is your way that you cope? Wow. You're really interviewing me on my own podcast. (laughs) You're so good (laughs) at this. Thank you. I can talk to you forever. Well, if I'm not panicking and crying if I move past that and you've been so honest with me so I'm gonna do the same I think the only thing that helps me is if I really reflect inward and ask myself if I see any truth to what they said and I disagree with it I don't believe it about myself then it just bounces off of me and I move on with my life so I think I always have to admit to myself that if something's like really bothering me it's probably because it's like an unhealed part of myself like I don't know I don't know how that could relate to the voice thing because that's obviously just like really fucked up for somebody to comment and totally you know rightfully so that you would be not happy with that. So I don't know how, how that can translate. But for me, like some of the criticism that I've received, unless it feels a little bit true, it doesn't really hurt. Yeah, I think that's a super, super valid point. And I feel like I even want to use that with myself, because I think there's a lot of things that maybe I'm internally thinking about, because I'm like, oh, you know, I think what's sometimes hard in the content that I make now is since I have grown into a smaller body, I still have the mindsets that I lived with when I lived in a larger body. But now some of those mindsets 
aren't really what was made for for this body that I'm currently living in, if, if that makes sense. Like the purpose of behind, you know, when I first started TikTok, I really started TikTok as like a body positive slash body confidence creator. And I still live with that mindset, but my body doesn't necessarily line up with that mindset anymore. And so it's been a tricky thing to walk through. Even what you were saying of like, is there any truth to it type thing? thinking when somebody does comment something, being like, oh, okay, wait, like maybe this isn't something that I can really talk about anymore or like align with as much because that's just not the body that I'm living in right now. So I think that's good advice to just like have more open dialogue with yourself and like actually have a heart to heart with yourself. I think that could be helpful. So. But that doesn't make it any easier because like obviously your message is so needed, like no matter what body you're in. And I'm sure it makes it 10 times harder to, you know, twist and turn your content. I mean, once body positivity became like mainstream and people were all on board, there's like a lot of plus size creators who I'm really glad they're getting the attention that they deserve. They can like put on a bikini, go to the beach, make a video about themselves and like everybody loves it, you know? And I think us And same with you, like I've gotten all these comments about you've lost weight and I have to reassure them and myself that it wasn't intentional. And I do question my place in it, which is why I kind of stopped posting about it, which is why I don't know really what I'm doing with my life and like really struggling with with my career and like what my message is. And a lot of that is related to like losing weight, being like really straight size now, not as curvy, getting married, you know, checking some of those typical boxes but you hit the nail on the head when you said like it's like my insides aren't matching my outsides because I still have those same mindsets but like I have to like talk about them very intricately and like explain whereas before I could just like show up yeah yeah it's it's so true and I think even you know going back to a little bit of like why I still have a full-time job it's because like sometimes it's exhausting like sometimes I know I just don't go on my phone the whole day because I'm like it's exhausting to sometimes read these comments that I get. And of course, 95, 98% of them are so wonderful. But then those 2%, they just, they really take the wind out of you, I feel like sometimes. So that's why I love having a full-time job too, is because like, that's another part of how it keeps me sane is like, I know that my purpose of doing this job that I do, you know, in digital marketing for Evelyn and Bobby is like, they don't care if my, how my body fluctuates. Like I'm here to do this job and I do a great job every day. And like, it's something that helps me kind of remove myself when I've just, when I just need a little bit of a breather from all of that stuff, besides all of the, like, you know, it's nice to have like healthcare and like, you know, (laughs) get a paycheck every two weeks, like all of the typical stuff, you know, like there really is so much purpose that I feel that I get from my full-time job that is separate from my body. And I really feel like I need that for my mental health. Girl, you just helped me get so much clarity. I need that too. Like you said, aside from the fact I'm about to turn 26 next year, I want a baby, like what's health insurance going to look like? I'm, I can't afford it at the income that I'm at now. Like I'm, kind of barely screaming by, but I told myself when I do this like creator thing, it's, it's a labor of love. It has some lucrative moments, but they have to last me through the instability. I always tell myself like, as long as I can make restaurant income, as long as I can make as much as I would be making at Trader Joe's, then I'll keep doing this, you know, but I also don't know how, how long I can last with that because the stability is definitely something that I'm craving financially and like you said, a company who doesn't care about your body, that is the downsides of capitalizing on your mental health. Because as soon as you start feeling better, like, what are you talking about? What are you about? And it's really been really hard for me, but I feel like you do it so beautifully. So why are you, why can you relate? Cause like you do it so well. Well, you see, this is like the perfect example of how we are our hardest critics because I think I do a horrible job at it to be completely honest like I'm always like oh my god I need to post more like I'm not posting enough like I need to be more active I need to share this I need to share that like the company that I work for we are still a startup company considered startup company and we have like a little over 20 employees and it's a female-led company a lot of them are women and it is so amazing to have like just like 
warrior women champions that are friends and that like really care about me. And my initial reasoning for getting a full-time job when I first started content creating was I blew up on TikTok my senior year of college. And so all four years of college, I was going to college because I wanted to land, you know, the full-time job that I did. And then this creator thing happened and I was like, oh, okay, people do this as a living. Like, that's cool. But that was never a part of my plan. I didn't see that as my plan. And so I was 22 at the time and I was like, well, I, I really want to experience like that nine to five, sit at a desk, like career type of thing. And I'll just do social media as more of a passion. Then like, I didn't know how long that was going to last, but I'll have worked for Evelyn and Bobby for three years in September. And like, I'm still loving it. And I'm still feel like I'm managing both careers at the same time. And like you said, they are two full-time jobs. And I think funny enough, you know, my dad, he just turned 65, like last week. And when I first started TikTok, I remember telling him like, dad, like this could become something like this could be something more than just me posting videos. And it's been so fascinating to see how his vision of like social media and content creating and all that stuff has evolved so much because he's like, Brittany puts so much effort and work into like everything she does, even if it's just a reel or one story or whatever it is. And so kind of like what we were talking about earlier, like it's almost like very satisfying when somebody who didn't understand social media and didn't understand how that could be a full-time job. Once they get it, they're like, wow, like that's a lot of work. Like, you know, I love that your dad has like come around to, to respect it because it's honestly, I know it's, it's like this trend to like hate on influencers and be like, I can't believe they're making so much and they don't do anything. But like, all of my creator friends will say the same thing that it's like, it's like being people's friends and you're a creator and you're a producer and you're a video maker and you're a writer and then you have to do PR. And then sometimes you're like borderline people's therapists because of the like intensity of the topic or the questions that you get. And there's so many hats that you wear and that constant role switching, like it's exhausting, not, not just like emotionally, but like, I think anybody, even if you're working at a company, anybody running their own business or freelancing, like kind of understands it. But with influencing, you add the layer of being public. So now every weight loss, everything you do, every word you say, like, it's just, it's hyper analyzed. And I feel like that's amplified on TikTok because of the power of the For You page, how a lot of people that consume your content don't even know you. I feel very protected in Instagram because I feel like at least those people know me, but sometimes I land on the wrong side of TikTok like very suddenly and I just feel just really like scared and uncomfortable. And I think if I was starting over now, like, and it was just TikTok, like Mary's cup of tea wouldn't exist. I wouldn't have the courage to keep going because the only reason I was able to keep going and like enjoy it and still like love it and be in it is because of like all those people I, I have on Instagram. Like there are people that have just been DMing me over the years that my husband knows by first name. Like, oh, Susie sent me another message or like, oh, I'm talking to so-and-so or like a follower like sends me like a really sweet like Christmas gift. And he's like, who's it from? And, and it's like a name that like I've told him about before, you know, like that's how close I've gotten to certain people. And I love that part of it. I just don't think I ever was made to be like public personally. Totally. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. I apologize for not knowing this, but can you give me a quick recap on like how you like started everything like how kind of your was it like a skyrocket thing was it more of like a steady over time you built this following or like where did you really get your start oh I want to know the same for you I need like a timeline but for me well I was always kind of like on social media with my fitness account and then I fell off the face of the earth went into recovery and then slowly but surely came back and started sharing some blog posts about it and I guess when I came back like I was I was doing a lot of life coaching training. So when I came back, like my goal was always to like life coach, which I know feels weird because I was like 19 years old. Like what could you life coach about? But basically like girls would come to me with like binge eating or just feeling like really unsettled in their bodies. And I would use my life coaching tools, like transfer them into helping them through with what I went through. And that's like what I wanted to do. It was like coach and speak and write and 
this was like 2017, 2018. That was before like the whole influencer industry was a thing. There was blogging, but there wasn't like this level of influencing. And then it basically like blew up and maybe about a year, I think over time, like there were these spurts where a lot of people resonated with what I was sharing. But Mary's Cup of Tea existed for years, like three or four years before I even got my first ever brand deal. And they're what let me like start this podcast and like somehow stay afloat. Then like all my boundaries became blurred. That's when I started like kind of doing all the things. Like I I wrote two books and did the TED Talk and like retreats. Like those were like the things I really, really wanted to do. And, and I'm so grateful to have done. But then it just started getting like a little bit overwhelming with all the other parts and like needing to stay relevant on social media in order to do what I loved. So it was like, till this day, it's like this constant like dance. So yeah, what about you? Yeah, it's very true that it is kind of like a dance with figuring out everything. But I got my start on TikTok. Like I've said this before, but TikTok was truly like the most unexpected thing that has ever happened in my entire life. Like I was a senior in college. I was in a sorority in college and I was going to my winter formal for my sorority. And it marked the day of my dance marked like three and a half years of being an eating disorder recovery. I had just downloaded TikTok like a couple weeks before that. And at that time, it was totally a dance app. It was not what it is today. And there was this viral sound that had like the Dougie mixed into it with like an announcer sound. So I put my phone on my college balcony and I danced to the Dougie and I just wrote like, today marks three and a half years of eating disorder recovery. And it went viral. And I was like, I I posted it. And then I went to like a college pregame and went to the formal and had a great time. And then the next morning I woke up hungover and was like, what? This video went viral. Like, this is crazy. And the reason why I was like, wow, like at that time, there was really no creators on TikTok talking about body confidence or eating disorder recovery. And so I kind of just saw it as something as like, wow, this is the first video in my entire life to ever go viral. And it's something that I'm so passionate about. Like maybe this is something that people want to hear more about. And so I just started talking about it. And then when the following really started is when I started posting talking what I eat in a day. Like there was probably a month that I was posting like what eat in a day, but I put a sound over it. Like it it wasn't my voice. And then once I started like vlogging my whole day of like, good morning. It's a what eat in a day. Cause when I first started, it was good morning. uh, Welcome to a what eat in a day in recovery from two eating disorders. And now I've kind of transitioned into welcome to a what eat in a day that won't make you feel like shit. Because the reason why I moved to that is because having to say like every morning or every time that I filmed what eat in a day, like in recovery from two eating disorders, it was one of those things where I felt like I was constantly reminding my own self of my past. And it was like something where I felt like I couldn't just move forward with my life because I was constantly like retelling my past and reopening that wound because I'm sure you can relate. Like when you have body image issues or eating disorders, like it's hard to like heal those memories that are just not fun to always think back on. So welcome to a what eat in a day that won't make you feel like shit. Some people get it mixed up that I mean like won't make your stomach feel bad. But what I mean by like welcome to a what eat in a day that won't make you feel like shit is like welcome to a what eat in a day where you won't feel like judged for eating whatever you want. Like come here, eat what you want, listen to your body, intuitively eat. And like this is going to make you feel good because you're actually going to be energized because you're eating the foods that you want, not what society tells you you should eat. So. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. I love the actually the what I eat in a day that won't make you feel like shit is like how I know you. That's like kind of when I found you. But I relate so, so much. I could talk to you forever with with the type of content that I got popular for. I guess it was going back into my camera roll and pulling up not just memories, but like physical photos and videos of when I was at my sickest and most miserable and and lost and sad and anxious. And I still struggle to do that. I actually recently sat down and I like backed up a lot of my photos and videos that I still wanted to keep, but didn't want like on my phone anymore. So I physically wouldn't have easy access to them. So I, I really, really relate to that. And it is hard to let go of because I feel like I'm, I'm letting people down or I'm, I'm not giving them what 
they're coming for. I'm trying to remind myself that like people grow with me and they're growing with you and maybe they feel recovered and now they're just like eating and want to see what you eat. That's not going to make them feel like shit because they know they have this past. And I'm really glad to like have a role model like you to look up to and remind me of that, that like my purpose as a creator isn't just to like talk about really, really heavy things. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is a lot to talk about and a lot to constantly talk about, you know, and constantly like rehash. And, and I'm sure you can relate to this too. The reason why I do talk about it is because it does help so many people. That's so that's what does keep me open and honest about it. And continuously, like if somebody does ask me, like I will always answer. The other thing that I have noticed is in September, it'll be seven years that I've been in eating disorder recovery. And I think something I've noticed on social media is it's really important to talk about, you know, the different chapters of recovery and how like the strength that I have in my recovery today is not the strength I had when I was six months into recovery or when I was three days into recovery. Also, my body doesn't look anything like, you know, those chapters of recovery because a lot of my community is currently going through that. And so a lot of the questions I get is like, when will my hair come back? Because I had a lot of a lot of health effects from my eating disorders, like half of my hair fell out. I was vitamin deficient. I had hormone imbalances. I was sent to the ER a couple of times. Like there were a lot of health effects that really came from my eating disorders. And so I get a lot of comments because all my hair has finally grown back, but that took like two and a half years for my body to do that. And when somebody's on like the first week of their recovery journey, they're like, why isn't my hair back? And I'm like, you have to let your body have time to heal because if you don't give your body time to heal like you just won't be able to see the growth and like the regrowth that it can really do you know so there's a lot of I think beauty and transparency in talking about the different stages of recovery and like how that's different for every single person you know yeah yeah and with questions like that it's obviously hard to say I try to not just write people off and be like, give it time and like not answer their questions. So I'll, I'll kind of resort to like, well, think about how long you've had an eating disorder and how long you've been in recovery. And like, you've probably had an eating disorder longer than you've been in recovery. So you have to give yourself that amount of time. And I would multiply it by two just to manage your own expectations, you know. But again, that's like me taking a whack at a question that's like so heavy and individual that I honestly don't feel qualified enough to, to speak on. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I even think when I first started talking about these things, something that I constantly said, and I don't think I say this as much anymore online, because I think a lot of my community knows, but like when I first started TikTok, like every other video, I'd be like, by the way, I'm not a health medical professional. Like I'm just sharing my story and my experience in hopes to help others. And it is so true. Sometimes we get really, really in-depth questions that really does need a, a health professional's perspective and education to be able to properly answer it. And you don't obviously ever like want to misguide anybody. So that's always my hesitation too. So that was even something that I constantly like tried to make sure everyone knew was like, I'm happy to share my story and what, what helped my body, but it might be completely different for what helps your body. And that's why I always say like, please get professional health if, if it's accessible to you. And if that's like a realistic thing, like, I think that's great. That's what helped me so much. I remember even when I did start TikTok, I was, like I say, I was finishing up college. And for a second, I thought, oh, should I like go get my master's right now and go become like an eating disorder therapist or an eating disorder counselor? Or like, I really started to have that back and forth with myself of like, wait, what, what do I want to do with my life? But then all throughout college, my major was advertising and my minor was business. And I was like, okay, my personal passion is talking about my past and body confidence and eating disorder recovery, but like my intellectual passion is advertising and is marketing and is like business. You know, that's what I really find like intellectual passion in. And so I wanted to like make sure that I didn't change my intellectual passion just because I became a creator. And I think again, going back to the full-time job, that's why I pursued that because I wanted to make sure I was filling both passions. Don't mind me as I voraciously take notes because I think you just fixed my years-long identity crisis in one sentence. 
I love that. Please write away. I'm not even exaggerating because I just got off the phone with my best friend and I'm like, just been thinking a lot about like my majors in economics and like I geek out about econ and that's like what I do. What I feel like I, I try to find time to do is like my hobby, but the words personal passion and like intellectual passion, like intellectually, I do have elements where I'm like really interested in like mental health and like how the brain works. And like, I think it makes sense because the type of economics that I'm interested in is behavioral economics. So like it all kind of ties together. But my personal passion is like, I love podcasting. Like I love talking to people. Like I love writing. Like I'm not exaggerating when I say that. I think you just made something click for me. Oh my gosh. I love that. That's awesome. And I hope, I mean, like I said, I'm even trying to figure out my life. I think everyone is. So just always remember that like (laughs) nobody has it figured out. And I think once I really like accepted that, then I was like, okay, we're just going to do the best we can today. And also I do have to say, Mary, I just love your page. I feel like you're so bubbly and so smiley always. And like, I love that you're very like transparent and I'm obsessed with your dog, Goose. I just love your page. And I, and I think it's important. Like I said, I think we're our hardest critics. And so I just hope you know that you're an amazing creator and you're doing amazing things. And so even if there are like other things that you want to explore in your life, like that's normal. There's going to be other things that I want to explore in my life too, but you're doing amazing and don't forget that. So. I am so grateful, Brittany. Thank you so much. You're like one of the most like humble people I've ever met. I would say influencers, but like even in general, like people like you're just so real. You're you're one of the people I follow that Stan knows by name. Oh, I love that. Because <laughs> I like talk about you like we're friends. So if you find yourself in Arizona, let's do a double date and I'll do the same if I'm in Oregon. And I'm just, I'm so grateful. Thank you for saying that, for sharing your wisdom and light and just for personally uplifting me. I'm eternally grateful. Yeah. Thank you so much. It was such a pleasure to be on your podcast. One last thing before we farewell, my self-lovers. If you've been enjoying the Mary's Cup of Tea podcast, I would greatly appreciate it if you could leave a review on Apple or rate the show on Spotify. You can do this by searching for the show, Mary's Cup of Tea. Scroll all the way down on Apple Podcasts and you'll see stars where you can click one of the stars and leave a few kind words. It just means so much to me because I'm so behind the scenes when I'm podcasting, so I don't really get to see the impact of the show unless you leave a review. And on Spotify, there's just a button that says rate the show and it'll let you put however many stars you want. Your feedback helps the podcast grow. And as someone whose love language is words of affirmation, your kind words mean the world to me. Thank you so much for supporting the show and helping me spread the gift of self-love. I love you all so much and I will talk to you in next week's episode.